Good morning. Well, thank you for joining us today as we close out our final Sunday of 2020. I, I think today is an appropriate way to do that. Um, it, it's almost a commentary on the year. Uh, we, we didn't want to cancel our Christmas Eve service. We apologize that we had to do that. Uh, we didn't want to cancel meeting in person today either, but we had to do that as well. And it's not what we planned, um, and that's appropriate to 2020. It is not what we planned. Um, it is not actually what we hoped for. This is not how we were wanting to meet today. This is uh, not what we originally had in mind, but our plans changed. Um, a virus has changed our plans, or rather God has sovereignly worked in and through a virus to bring about his good plans. And so no matter where you find yourself this morning, uh, we're grateful that you join with us. This is part of God's plan, and he is sovereignly working amidst the mutations of an evil virus to bring about his good purposes for us. And we can trust God that he has good in mind for us. He has good in store for us, even as we meet in houses throughout the upstate this morning. And we're quarantined, but we're not quarantining out of fear. We're doing this because we believe this is wisest. This past week, uh, Julie and I went on Monday along with Noah to get tested for COVID and and those tests came back positive, so uh, we, along with many other families apparently in the church, had similar results this past week, and then Aaron Campbell is out of town, he is in Florida on vacation, and then uh, both Doug Young and, and, and Chris Menard were uh, unable to preach at the last minute due to Christmas and everything else going on, so this is God's plan for us, and we believe it's God's good plan for us today, and in case you're wondering, we're going to be meeting back in person next Sunday. Um, so we're all going to be back together, Lord willing. But this, this morning, let's give thanks to God for his good plans. And let's turn in, in our Bibles to John chapter 12. If you're sitting at home, uh, pull out a Bible, pull up your phone, just put it on silent so you're not distracted. Try to remove as many distractions from you as possible. Um, parents, uh, ho hopefully you've printed out coloring sheets or the activity sheets for your children that we put up on our website. You can do that. And print those out for your children so that they can be undistracted. And, and honestly, it, it's fine. If you want to put them in another area, another room, or the like, that, that's good to do as well. So turn your Bibles to John chapter 12. We're going to be reading verses 27 to 36 this morning. This is God's plan for us to hear his word. Now is my soul troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, 
The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. What if I were able to sit down with each and every one of you, wherever you might be this morning? Um, you, you might be sitting at the breakfast table, your living room, no matter where you are. What if I was going to sit down with you and ask you a question? I don't want you to seriously think about this question because even though we're not together physically in person, I think this is a question that God has for each and every one of us. So what if I was going to sit down and ask you a question, and it's really one of the most important questions that there is to ask. How do you know if you're following Jesus? You know, we can often get sidetracked by all kinds of other questions, all kinds of important or good questions, but lesser questions, questions about where we're going to live or what we're going to do, what we're going to put on, what we're going to eat. We can get sidetracked by all kinds of the thousands of questions that come into our lives each and every day that, that draw all our attention away. What are we going to do when this bill comes in? What are we going to do if we lose our jobs? What are we going to do if we get COVID? What are we going to do if this and that happens? Where are you, you going to go to school? Where are you going to go to work? What will your kids do? What will their kids do? But the most important question, really, that we, we need to answer is, how do you know you are following Jesus Christ? How do you know you're following Jesus Christ? You see, this passage, it comes right on the heels of a little earlier in just a couple of verses when John was telling us that Jesus says that if you serve me, you must follow me. And so, really, now this passage is John showing us what it looks like to follow Jesus by showing us Jesus. This fundamental question will affect everything else in our lives. How do you know you're following Jesus? How do you know you're a follower of Jesus? Not are you following him perfectly, but, but are you following him? If I was in the military and I was going to say that I was following my platoon leader on a patrol... Uh, you, you might know what I meant. You might understand that that meant that I was keeping that platoon leader in my vision. I was, I was seeing that platoon leader. I was watching where they were going. I was making sure they didn't get too far ahead so that I could see where they're going, going the path they were, stepping where they stepped, through the minefields, making sure I placed my feet exactly where they did. I would want to make sure I knew my platoon leader. I could see them. I understood them. I I was, I was watching their movements, and I would follow right behind them in their footsteps, going on the same path, keeping along the same way. And so, as a believer in Jesus Christ, how do you know you're following him? Well, I think in this passage, John is showing us that by showing us what Jesus does, showing us where Jesus goes, what he did, how he did what he did, so that we too can follow him. See, Jesus said, if anybody serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. We have wonderful promises about following Jesus, that he will be with us and that the Father will honor us. But how do we know we're following him? 
passage, we have a simple diagnostic, really. I want to want to use this passage to hold up what does it look like to follow Jesus by seeing Jesus and what Jesus does, what motivates Jesus, what drives Jesus, what directs all of Jesus' life. Because really, for us, we need to be motivated by, directed by all the same things that Jesus was motivated by and directed by. And we can. You see, right off the bat, we're going to see in this passage that, that Jesus puts his Father's glory first. Jesus puts his Father's glory first, no matter what the cost. You see, Jesus has just announced, just a couple verses before this, that that the Son of Man must die. That Son of Man, it's his hour has come to be glorified. Jesus is going to be glorified by dying so that he might bear fruit. Jesus has just told his followers, he's come into Jerusalem, the crowds are following him, and he's just told them that, that he has to, he, he's going to be glorified by dying, and that he's going to die so that he might bear much fruit, so that others might be raised to life through him, through his death and resurrection. And then Jesus tells us now that he puts his Father's glory first, no matter the cost. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus, is follow him as he puts the Father's glory first, no matter the cost. Jesus knew exactly what had to be done. There was a great cost. There was a great cost that Jesus was about to undergo. He, he's just told his disciples, now my hour has come. Now my hour has come. And he knew what he was doing. God God had had sent his son to the earth for this very purpose. And Jesus' entire life is leading up to this time. And Jesus says, now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. This week I read a story about a seven-year-old boy named Eli. And Eli saved his baby sister's life when he he jumped into her room through a window to rescue her from a fire that destroyed his family's home. It was a typical night at the Davidson household in New Tazewell, Tennessee on December 8th. Chris and Nicole Davidson fed their three children dinner, tucked them into bed, and were asleep by 8.30. Now, that's, uh, that's a dream for if you have parents, if you're a parent of young kids or children at all, it's a dream to get in bed by 8.30. But anyway, so that's not the point of the story. Hours later, Nicole Davidson woke up to the smell of smoke. Within minutes, the family's home was up in flames. The 22-month-old Aaron Davidson was trapped in her room. While the couple was able to grab their two-year-old son Elijah and Eli who's been fostered by the family for nearly a year, Aaron's bedroom was surrounded by fire. The smoke and fire were so thick, there was no way I could get to her, Chris Davidson, father told CNN. We went outside to get her from the window, but there was was nothing for me to stand on to, to reach up there. So I picked up Eli, who went through the window and was able to grab her from the crib. We couldn't be more proud of Eli. Davidson said, he did something a grown man wouldn't do, and he did it just in time. By the time 20 firefighters arrived on the scene engulfed in flames, by the next day, nothing was left. 
New Tazewell Fire Chief Josh Miracle told CNN, I, and Eli says, I, I, I thought I couldn't do it, but then I did. I got her, Dad. I got her. Eli told CNN, I was scared, but I didn't want my sister to die. Eli saved his sister in the moment despite the flames, not really having time to think through it, not having time to think through the consequences, not thinking through what it meant, what it could mean for him. Jesus came to earth willingly to save us, knowing what it would take, knowing the agony he would endure, knowing that he'd never received the glory here on earth that he deserved every step of the way, knowing he wouldn't be worshipped, knowing he'd be reviled, knowing he'd be rejected, knowing he'd be belittled, knowing he'd be mocked, knowing he'd be rejected by his best friends and that he'd be whipped and beaten. He endured this time knowingly leading up to this time Understanding the cost, not just the cost of, of suffering and dying on the cross, but the cost of bearing all the Father's wrath. He knew what the Father's wrath would mean. Jesus knew that when he bore the, the weight of all the sins of the world, he would be separated from God in a sense, and he would the Father would turn his face away from Jesus and be angry. So he knew what was coming. And so Jesus says, now my soul is troubled. But he's doing this on purpose. He's doing this willingly because he wants to put the Father's glory first. And the Father is glorified by doing his will. And Jesus says, I want to do your will, Father. And so although that, that's the first thing in his mind is, Father, save me from this hour. I know how bad it's going to be. I know what this means. Even though he knows what this means, he as soon as those words are from his lips, he expresses his heart. Father, save me from this hour. But then he reminds himself of what's true and why he's here. And he says, but for this purpose, I've come to this hour. Despite the cost that I would rather be saved from, Father, this is the purpose I've come to this hour. Jesus willingly glorified the Father no matter the cost, knowing the cost. And he did that for you and for me. He did that to draw all people to himself. Mark 14.36 tells a similar account of how Jesus, when he was in the garden, he, had, he was knowing what was coming and he was praying to God. And in the midst of his prayer, his heart comes out because he knows what's coming. He says, remove this cup from me. And he says, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus' entire life was oriented around doing the Father's will, bringing glory to God by doing the Father's will. And so the, the thing that we need to ask ourselves, is that what our life is oriented around? Are, are we, as we're, as we're following Jesus, Jesus says we must follow him. If we, anyone serves me, he must follow me. Are we following Jesus by putting God's glory first, no matter the cost? Are we seeking to do his will? So putting Jesus... Uh, following Jesus is to put God's glory first, no matter the cost. Following Jesus is to put God's glory first, no matter the cost. Not living for our will, but living to, to glorify God in all that we do, living for the will of the Father. You see, we, we, we look up and, and see the stars in heaven, and 
and at night we can see the constellations shining brightly. And what we're seeing is the glory of those stars, the, how the stars shine. Their, their light is their glory. And putting God's glory first in our lives, living for His glory, is living in such a way that we, we shine out the goodness of God. We, we seek to shine forth His will. We seek to make His will known to show the goodness, the beauty, the splendor of God in what we do and how we live. So the Apostle Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Paul was giving similar instructions about how to live. What does it look like to follow Jesus? And he says, so whatever you do, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So let me ask you, how do you know if you're following Jesus? Are you seeking God's glory? No matter the cost, not living for your own glory, not living for your own name, but are you seeking His glory, seeking to do His will, seeking to shine forth Him in your life? Ask yourself, does this thing that I'm about to do shine forth God's light? Does it, does it honor Him? Does it show His worth? Does it show that He is worth following? Does it show that His will is worth doing? Is His will is good? Does it show how good it is to follow Jesus? Does it show the glory of doing His will? Following Jesus is to put God's glory first, no matter the cost. And the second thing we see Jesus doing in this passage, not only we see Jesus putting God's glory first, no matter the cost, we see that, that Jesus draws all people to Himself. That's what Jesus does. Jesus draws all people to Himself. That's, that's what His whole life was oriented around, was glorifying the Father, and He's glorifying the Father. He's about to be glorified even more, God says, I'm gonna I've already glorified you, Jesus, and I'm going to glorify you even more in this hour. And Jesus says that by this hour, he is going to be lifted up so that he draws all men to himself, all people to himself. God's name is glorified when the world is judged. The world will be judged by the death of Jesus. The world was about to crucify Jesus and thought it was passing judgment on him, but the cross was passing judgment on them. By rejecting God's Son, He sent to save the world. The world was rejecting God Himself. And so the world's guilty of the ultimate treason, the ultimate rebellion against the most loving God. And the punishment that Jesus endures, the world's sin is judged is so great that it demands the death of the only perfect Son of God. And in the judgment of the world that Jesus is about to bear, He explains the ruler of this world is going to be cast out. He's going to be dethroned. He's going to be defeated. And, and when this judgment of the world takes place, when Jesus is lifted up, the sins of the world will be judged, and He will carry the judgment of the world on Himself when He is lifted up, so that, so that He draws all people to Himself. Look in verse 32, it says, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. That's what Jesus does. Jesus draws all people to himself. That's the point of his life. What's the point of your life? Is it to glorify God? Is it to draw people to Jesus? Lifting up, it can mean both being exalted and also in this context being physically lifted up to God. In the cross, Jesus was both lifted up on the cross physically, and he was also lifted up to die, just like in the Old Testament when the people were plagued by 
the scourge of these serpents coming in and these fiery serpents biting God's people. And Moses was praying to God, and God told him what to do. He said, he said make this serpent and put it on this pole, a bronze serpent, put it on the pole and put it up. And when people look on that serpent, they look at my provision, and they look at what I'm putting up, um, they're going to believe in what I'm providing, and they're going to be healed. And so Jesus, in that same way, he's saying, when I'm lifted up, I'm going to draw all people. When they look on me, when they see me as a substitute for them, when they look to me in faith, I'm going to draw all people to myself when I'm lifted up. And what he's talking about is drawing all people without any distinction. See, the Greeks have just come. That's what spurred this conversation is that the Greeks have come to him and they're asking about Jesus. And Jesus said, hey, now that the Greeks are coming, I want you to see that now my hour is coming when I'm going to draw all people, not just Israelites, but all people, people of every kind without distinction from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation I'm going to draw to myself. His purpose in dying is to draw people to himself. And in verse 33, it says, John says, he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. And the crowd must have understood that. They must have gotten that. They must have understood that Jesus meant he was going to die. He's, he's just talked about the fact that, that he has to die. And now he's saying the Son of Man must be lifted up. And they knew by now he was calling himself the Son of Man. And they're understanding it, but they didn't like it. They didn't like the idea that their Messiah would be lifted up to die. And so, so look at what they say to him. Look in verse 34. The crowd answers him and says, We've heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? They, they weren't in doubt of the fact that he was calling himself the Son of Man, but they didn't understand how the Son of Man could die. And Jesus says, I'm going to die. I'm going to be lifted up so that I can draw all people to me. We don't they don't understand that, but we do. We know that he was lifted up to die for our sins. He was lifted up in our place. He was lifted up to take our place, bearing not only our sins, but the wrath that our sins deserved. And he says he was lifted up so that he could draw all people to himself, so that everyone might be drawn into a relationship with Jesus, that, that everyone might be drawn to know him, to follow him why he died and so following Jesus second truth we see is following Jesus is to point people to Christ lifted up that's what it means to be a Christian is is not only to seek to put the glory of God first in all that we do no matter the cost but it's also to point people to Christ lifted up we've been saved so that we might glorify God and point people to Christ lifted up we do that with our lives. We do that as we share the gospel. We do that as we live on mission to be disciples who are making disciples. Are we seeking to point people to Christ lifted up in what we do? With our words, with our actions. Is, is pointing people to Christ central to how we seek to follow him? If not, are you really following? If you're not seeking to put the glory of God first in your life, if you're not seeking to point people to Jesus, you need to evaluate, am I, am I truly following Jesus? But the answer isn't to give up. The answer isn't to lose hope. The answer is to say, yes, I, I believe that Jesus is the one who was lifted up for me, and so I want to respond to him. I want to know him. I want to follow him. 
I want to be transformed by Him, and He transforms us so that we can be enabled to glorify Him, so that we can point people to Him. One of the, the things that we're looking to grow in this year as a church is to grow in how we are deliberately seeking to make disciples. And, and in towards the latter part of, of January, we are going to, I'm sorry, actually it's in February, uh, that we are going to be starting a, a class in, in evangelism, a class in how to make disciples. I'd encourage you, if, if you don't find yourself confidently or find yourself pursuing sharing the gospel, pointing people to Jesus, I'd encourage you to sign up for that. We're going to have a sign up in just a couple weeks from now. I want you to consider signing up for that, attending that class. There's either going to be an all-day Saturday class or there's going to be um, over a period of of five Sunday evenings from from 6 to 8 p.m. We're going to have an evangelism class put on by our very own um, Dave. Uh, put on by a very you know, Dave Newell. Thank you. I almost forgot Dave's last name. Sorry, Dave, if you're watching this morning. Uh, in the moment, with light shining on me in my living room. I'm a little foggy with COVID still. But one of the ways that we're going to be looking to grow is how we point people to Jesus. And I'd encourage you um, to be deliberately pointing people to Jesus. Follow him and what he did. He, he drew all people to himself. That's what he, was, he died for. He was lifted up to draw people to him. And so we, as we follow him, we're going to point people to him. Jesus calls everyone to follow him. Following him looks like putting the glory of God first in our lives and pointing people to Jesus. And it also looks like believing and walking in the light. You see, Jesus, that's the final thing that we see in this passage, that, is that Jesus, he calls everyone to believe and walk in the light. That's what he does. He's calling everyone to believe and walk in the light. Look in verse 35. He says to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. That is a terrible fate, lest darkness overtake you. If you're not following the light, darkness is going to overtake you. He says, walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you might become sons of light. You see, they ask him, how, how can the Son of Man die? And he, he doesn't go on to explain things. He's already told them what he must do. He's already given them enough information that they might believe in him, that they might follow him. He already has given them enough information that they might see that he is the light of the world. And that's at the very beginning of this Gospel of John. John has laid out that he's the light of the world. And then all throughout this Gospel, leading up to this point, John has shown us and Jesus has shown us how he is the light. He is the one who reveals the Father. Light reveals. Jesus is the one who reveals the Father. He is pure. He points to the Father. He shines forth the glory of the Father. And Jesus is the light. He shows us the way to walk. He's, he is the way to walk. And so now Jesus is saying, stop making excuses. Stop giving reasons why it's too hard to follow me. You, you might not understand it all. You might not understand why I have to die. You might not understand these things, but you can believe in me because I'm the light. And so he doesn't spend time answering their question. He says, no, the light's among you for a little while. Walk in the light, lest darkness overtake you. He compels them to believe, believe that he is the light of the world. 
And he's telling them now while they still can. They don't have to understand it all. But they do need to follow the light. Don't let the darkness overtake you. If you claim to follow Jesus, believe in him as the light. You, you might not understand everything in your life, and you won't understand everything in your life or why everything happens. But you can trust in him to be your light. You can trust in him to light your way, to light your path. Don't walk in darkness. Instead, believe in the light. Following any other person, any other way, following your own will is to walk in darkness. And Jesus says, don't do that. Walk in the light. Walk in the light. While you have the light, believe in your light. Put your trust in Jesus. He himself is the way, the truth, and the life. It isn't enough to hear Jesus, though. We have to believe in him. Put our trust in him as the light. And there's a great promise that Jesus holds out to all those who follow him, who walk in the light, who believe in the light. He says, all who believe in him or believe in the light become sons of light. If you put your faith in Jesus as the light, um, he, he transforms you so much that it can be said that you are sons and daughters of the light, that you are so much like him that you become like him, you become like the light. Leon Morris helpfully explains, he says, in the Semitic idiom, to be a son of is to be characterized by the quality in question. Sons of light, and daughters of light as well, are accordingly those whose lives have been so revolutionized that they might be characterized with reference to light. Has your life been so revolutionized that it's characterized with, by reference to the light? One cannot be a follower of Jesus, the light of the world, and be half-hearted about the light. Third truth we've seen is that following Jesus is to persist. Following Jesus is to persist in believing in and walking in the light. When Jesus is the light. When, Je when my family member sneezed here, so bless you. It says, when Jesus had said these things, he departed and he hid himself from them. The crowds apparently did not respond in belief. And so when Jesus told them these things, he hides himself from them. And that's, that's, he's acting out what he's saying in a sense. And he's saying, if you're not going to follow me, I'm going to hide myself from you. And you're going to be walking in darkness. And so they don't respond to him as the light and believe. And so he removes himself from them. Don't let Jesus be removed from your light. Follow him. Uh, I can't understand why the crowd didn't try to. Except they wanted to follow their own way. They wanted to follow their own idea of a disciple, of, of a Messiah. They wanted to find, follow their own goals, what they wanted Jesus to do for them, get for them. And when Jesus didn't live up to what they wanted, they didn't follow him where he went. And so he hid himself from them, and the light was hidden from them. Don't be like that. Follow Jesus. Find Jesus. How do we find Jesus? He's not hiding from us. He's revealed himself in his word. We find Jesus in his word. We see Jesus. We can follow him. We can believe in him through his word. And we can start doing that, going back and reading through the gospel of John, seeing that Jesus is the light in all the ways that he, he reveals the Father, that he shows the light of the Father and shows the way that we should go. And look to Jesus, find Jesus, believe in the light, follow him, walk in the light. How do you do that practically? 
looks like reading your Bible. Following the light of the world by knowing where he is, seeing him, seeing the path he's on, seeing where he walks, seeing what he does. You can't do that without seeing him in his word. One of the other areas we want to grow in this year is deepening in our seeing Jesus, deepening in our seeing and savoring Christ, deepening in our knowing Jesus. And we know him, we follow him, we believe in him by seeing in his word. I want to encourage you this this new year. We're just a few days away from the first of the year. Use this as an opportunity to say, how can I deliberately plan to follow him by believing in him as the light? And I need to I need to redeem my thoughts each and every day. I need to have my thoughts recentered on him each and every day. I need to believe in him afresh every day, and I need to bathe in his word every morning. I'd encourage you to think about doing a, a Bible reading plan of some type with your small group, with your family. Now, not everybody's going to be able to do the exact same plan, but one of the plans I want to encourage you that I'm going to be starting, and I'm going to encourage all of our leaders to start as well, it's, uh, it's on the U version. In case you don't have it, if you have some kind of either Android or Apple device, there is an app called U version. It's a Bible, and in there they have plans, and one of the plans I'm going to do is it's the Bible Project plan. It's a, it's a one-year Bible reading plan. It's the Bible Project. has a small video, and then it shows some, uh, has some passages for you to read along as well. And you can invite other friends to do the plan with you. And it's, it's called One Story That Leads to Jesus because we want to follow Jesus. We want to believe in Jesus. And there's so many things in the world around us that tell us what to believe that, that are not in line with Jesus, not in accord with following him. And so we want to refresh our minds, renew our minds by fixing our minds on him so that we might believe in him, follow him by believing in him and walking daily in his light. Following Jesus is to put God's glories first no matter the cost. Following Jesus is to point people to Christ lifted up. Following Jesus is to persist in believing in him and walking in the light. How do you know you're a follower of Jesus. How do you know what it looks like to be successful on the mission that Jesus has called us to? If we follow him, we know that we will be with him. If we follow him, we know that he will honor us. If we follow him, we can be sure that we are sons and daughters of the light. How do we do that? We can regularly evaluate how we're doing on our mission. Are we seeking his glory first to put his glory first? Are we seeking to point others to Jesus lifted up? Are we we persisting in believing and walking in the light? You see, Jesus died so that we can be enabled to do all these things. We, we could never do all these things on our own. We could never follow Jesus on our own. But here's the good news. Jesus has been lifted up. He has died for us. He's, he's borne the weight of all of our sins. He's carried all of our sins. He's borne all of our sins, all of our sorrows. He's borne all of our deficiencies, all of our weaknesses in himself on the cross. His hour has already come. And he's made it so that we can be made new in him. By putting our faith, our trust in him, we can be made new in him. And he gives us a new heart and new desires and new abilities. 
And so now we don't follow him to earn his favor. We follow him because Jesus has earned God's favor for us. We don't follow him to become righteous. We follow Jesus because he has taken our sins away and made us righteous. We follow Jesus not to prove our love for him, but because he's proven his love for us. And so now, because because he's removed our sin, because he's borne the Father's wrath, because he's loved us so much, because he's redeemed us, because he's given us new life, don't you want to follow him? Let's follow Jesus together today. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you so love the world, that you gave your only Son, that whoever would believe in him might have eternal life. Jesus, you came to rescue us. You came to ransom sinners. You came to redeem us from being stuck in following after the ways of the world. You came to call us out of darkness, to redeem us from darkness, to call us into your light, and you are the light. You came to rescue us, to set us free from slavery. You came to show your love to us that we might know you. We might be drawn to you, Jesus, that we might come to the Father. We might be reconciled to you, forever called your children, your sons and daughters of light. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would Give us fresh eyes to see you, to follow you, a fresh heart, a fresh desire. And that, Lord, I pray by your spirit, you would strengthen us and enable us to follow you. Not to put your glory first, to point people to you, Jesus, and to persist in believing in you and walking in your light. Jesus, you've been so good to us in your church, and we're grateful. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Thanks for visiting with us today. Thanks for joining us here on live stream. Um, We will be back together, Lord willing, uh, in person this coming Sunday, and we will see you there. Thanks very much.